Why do we work hard to solve small problems? Why do we reinvent ourselves and our clients over and over? And why are we giving away marketing strategy for free? It's time to bring home bigger paychecks. It's time to create the lifestyle we deserve and to make a greater impact. This is the Fractional CMO Show, and I'm Casey Stanton. Join me as we explore this growing industry and learn to solve bigger problems. Hey, it's Casey, and welcome back to another episode of the Fractional CMO Show. Today, I want to dive in and get really gritty about a executive coaching component that you should employ yourself, and you should get your team members to do as well specifically your uh, most senior team members. This is on the clients that you serve as a fractional CMO. So let me tell you a little story. Um, This is a bit of uh, admission of failure. So check this out. So I wrote this book, The Fractional CMO Method, right? And did a big promotion for it. We hit the number one Wall Street Journal bestseller on it. Super thrilled with with the results. Got just a ton of people that were excited about it. Um, I still, every single week, get folks that write in and tell me um, a story about how the books help them, help them win a client, serve a client, um, or uh, help them kind of get their head on straight or, or whatever. I love it. And if you've read the book, please write us. Let me know. I'd love to. I'd love to read it. I read all those emails. My team always passes them on. You can email us grow at cmox.co, g r o w at cmox.co. Just let me know what you thought about the book. If you didn't like it, let me know that too. That's helpful as well. Um, so wrote the book, launched it, and we've got like a really simple funnel for the book. Super simple funnel, right? It's just like a opt-in page for folks who are interested, and then the next page is the order form. Super simple WooCommerce order form. Nothing fancy, right? Um, just the messages about the book. You opt in, and then uh, uh, you can buy it if you want to buy the digital copy of the book or the audiobook. And then I also have a um, uh, like a master class that I recorded live, um, which is all about how to choose your niche. If you want to be a fractional CMO and you want to know a good niche to be in, um, it's a really great training. I mean, it's it's all my best thoughts on good niches, niches that have a lot of money, especially in times of like uh, economic uncertainty. So why I share all this is um, I was meeting with my team and uh, just doing like a little review of some stuff. And I got into our CRM and was poking around and I wanted to see how effective that cart abandonment email sequence was. So it was a cart abandonment email sequence that I wrote as I launched the book and uh, I dug in, I dove in and took a peek. And what I noticed was, you know, we get leads every day for the book, we get purchases every day for the book. But I looked at that email campaign and had multiple emails in it. And no one was in a waiting stage in between emails. It's like everyone had just passed through the whole campaign. And I look at it, it doesn't make sense to me. I'm like, I, I'm pretty sure Today, we've had people opt in for the book, which means they should be in queue to receive an email after 12 hours, right? After opt in 12 hours later, you receive an email. No one is in the queue. Huh. So I dug in a little bit further and I realized that the automation was set where when the form was completed, a tag was applied to the prospect. And if they purchased, Uh, another tag was applied, but that first tag loaded them into an automation. So they had 12 hours to purchase the book. And if they didn't purchase the book in those 12 hours, then they would receive an email, a card abandonment email sequence, uh, email one. What I found was that the tag that they were applied, you know, tag that was added to their contact record, 
um, when they started the opt-in. And the tag that was used to delineate the start of an automation were not the same. There was a typo. A typo in a tag. Such a bummer. Like, such a huge bummer. So, lots of folks didn't receive any cart abandonment emails. Pretty embarrassing. Right? Um, I consider myself like a decent marketer, right? At least a decent marketer. And uh, this happened on my watch. Totally my fault. Um, And what did it come down to? Well, it came down to just not having good QC on that process. And this was an awesome opportunity because I've got a great guy on my team whose role it is to run that department, right? To run the the tech and automation department. Um, And I share this with you because I want to share with you what do you do when you find that stuff? I just one example, right? That I found in my own business. I found it with clients all the time. Issues abound. Bad links, URLs uh, that were dead ends, typos. Um, I mean, you know, tough stuff like uh, they didn't put a question mark at the end of a URL when they added the UTMs and that just gave it like a 404 not found error and they mailed that out to a bunch of people or uh, had the wrong date in a webinar in Zoom or, geez, um, like a typo of someone's name or the, my favorite is when an email gets sent that says, dear first name, right? Like those are so embarrassing for everybody involved. So how do you fix problems like that? You know, part of me says like, why did this happen? And what do I have to do to make sure this never happens again? Another part of me is like mad, right? I'm like frustrated. Um, So what do you do as a leader in that situation? I'll tell you, if you work with anybody with an ounce of self-respect, they feel bad that that happened under their watch, right? They feel terrible that there was an error that happened under their watch in their department of something that they were supposed to own. So, so what's the appropriate move there? Well, I don't think it's helpful to like shame them and call them a bad dog, right? I don't like, you know, you see these people who like their dog pees in the house so they like push their dog's face in the pee. Like that is like a really terrible way to train a dog anything right? That's not what you want. So the first thing that I want to do is I want to say, here's what I saw, right? I want to be able to take a photograph of it. No story. Very important. What can I take a photograph of? I saw that this automation was triggered by this tag, but the tag that was applied to the person was this tag. Therefore, this didn't happen. And if I calculate what I think the loss of revenue is, I think it's this. I'm bringing this up to you to let you know what I found. I don't need an answer from you immediately, but I just want you to take a minute and like kind of sit on this. And I want you to tell me what happened, right? I want to figure this out so that we can work together on this. What happened? And then that person probably is going to sweat a little bit, right? Like, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with the person saying like, oh shit, I screwed up. And then like trying to figure it out. I don't want anyone to defend. Hey, I was super busy and it's like, nope unacceptable, right? I want to know what happened here. So you say, take a couple minutes, let's figure out what happened. Let's figure out how we can work together to make sure that this doesn't happen and we can resolve it, right? Like the money is 
like the the opportunity cost right is is potentially really high in that kind of thing. Sometimes with emails, you know, bad first name, bad link, whatever, those are resolvable things. You can just send another email um, and try to nest that email with the same subject line and try to hide the fact that you screwed up with the link or whatever. Like those things are all fine. Um, I talked about that in another episode called the Streisand effect. Right? You oftentimes don't want to call out when you have an error. Um, it doesn't. It just isn't useful. Right? You don't need to hide from the error, but like, it's not helpful to be like, hey, we screwed up. Like putting in an email, link corrected um, in the subject line. Like I would only do that if it was a long time after I sent the first email and I was getting a bunch of people that said that the link didn't work. Okay, so you tell the person what you saw and what the impact of that was so they really get it. And then you give them the space to tell you what the answer is. And I know... I know Almost every time I know what the right answer is, right? I know what needs to change. But it's just a different, it, it, it's just, it's, it's, a, it's a different vibe. When I don't tell someone what needs to change, I ask them what needs to change. And then I kind of coach them on that. I have a belief that every single person on my team, every single person uh, that works for my clients, uh, you know, if, if I'm their fractional CMO, like that whole direct report team, like everyone's going to screw up. Everyone's going to have a bad day. Everyone's going to miss something. It is inevitable that it'll, that it will happen. Now I want it to happen as infrequently as possible, but it will happen. And your leadership, right? You as a leader, it's not just who you are during times of, of, um, peace, right? Like when things are good, that's not, that's not how you're always perceived as a leader. It's not always when times are bad, right? In times of war, right? You got to be the leader in both realms and you've got to be the kind of person that builds psychological safety so that people want to come to you when they screwed up and they want to admit that they screwed up and they want to tell you, Hey, I just sent this email out and I totally screwed up. I'm going to go do this thing right now to fix it. I wanted you to know. You want people that are willing to stand up for themselves and say, I screwed up. I got to fix it. Can you help me figure out the right way to fix it? And then afterwards, they're going to have a sense of ownership around making sure that it doesn't happen again. The biggest lessons that I've learned, uh, I've learned through like absolute failure by screwing stuff up, by doing things that didn't work, by sending emails that said, dear first name, right? Now I'm really strict on that myself. If I ever go in and pen an email, I always test to make sure that the first name merge works. And then you think, what happens if there isn't a first name? And like, can you do an else field in there with something else? Um, really important. So when something breaks down, you have to show up as the kind of leader that builds your team up. And it's this weird thing where you have to have an expectation that people are going to fail and that failure is a great learning moment. And after that, I really like to encourage that team member to share what happened and how they resolved it and what they're going to do moving forward to the rest of the team. So if you have a weekly team meeting that you're leading as the CMO, you say, hey, Bobby, um, can you just spend a couple minutes and just share what we've been working on uh, last week, uh, the, the email thing? Will you share what happened? What didn't go so well, what you did to fix it, and what your process is moving forward. And you don't do it to shame them. You do it to show the team that to err is to be human 
and that they have a growth mentality and that you're there to support them. There's just like this um, feeling that gets created around a team like that where someone can raise their hand and say, I screwed up. I figured out how to make it right. I'm not going to let it happen again. That just changes the, the sense of teamwork and commitment and alignment. One thing I really love to create among teams is tension. I want to give people mighty outcomes to achieve, and I want them to be dependent on other people, and I want them to create tension where if you don't do your thing, it means I can't do my thing, right? Like I want to create that tension so that people have to work together. I don't want them to work together because I tell them to. I want them to work together because their outcomes rely on other people, right? So you build that teamwork. You build that, and, it, and the team becomes more and more self-managing. There's this... Um, myopic, um, uh, like very, uh, over the shoulder micromanagey CMO that I've seen. You've probably seen bosses like that, people that you've worked for and no one wants to work for that person. What everyone wants is autonomy and your best players. They want to work on a big project. They like, they want to do something important and big. Like A players are hungry to change the world. And maybe that sounds silly if you're, you know, working, you know, you're the CMO of an HVAC company. Like, are you really changing the world? I don't know. Maybe you are. I mean, you're certainly changing someone's life if, you know, their AC breaks in Texas in the middle of the summer. Right. So th there's, there's a lot of purpose that people get from their job and you want to encourage people to solve bigger problems and you want to give them the autonomy to do it. But you also want to be there to catch them in case they fall, in case they, in case they stumble, in case something happens that was not ideal. Um, you, you don't want to be the boss that yells at people, right? It's like, I don't ever want to yell at people. Why? Because I just don't like what it does to me. Like, I'm very capable of yelling at someone and telling them why they did a bad job. And it's never, ever given me a great outcome. Never, not even, not even once has me raising my voice and been frustrated with someone actually got me what I wanted. What gets me what I want is to appreciate the humanity and the fact that people err and, you know, they screw up and to know that it's a possibly a process thing, or maybe they're in the wrong role or they have too many responsibilities on their shoulders and it's just not possible for them to do it. Or maybe they need to like level up. And this is, the clear call on that and they have a warning and if they keep these kind of behaviors up and they keep screwing up, then you're going to have to replace them with somebody else. Like I want, I want to be very realistic and honest with folks. Um, and what all of this does long-term is you start building notoriety. There, there are people then that are working at a company. Uh, you come in as their CMO and you're working there for a couple of years and then you leave, you move on to another company. And what you find is a few years later, that direct report that you had, that you really supported, that you were given the love to that needed it, um, that you were giving them the tough conversations to, um, but in a way that was well-received, those people come back to you and say, hey, I just left that job. They've got new management, not really vibing. I'd love to work with you again. You start building these people that like want to be around you, and then you can deploy those into new companies. It's a ton of fun. You find that your results are more predictable. 
you really enjoy the people that you're working with. They want you as their leader because you have this leadership ability that is, you know, maybe it's charismatic, but really it's caring. And that's what they're looking for. They're looking for a caring leader who wants to see them succeed. And at the end of the day, what do I want for my clients? I want my clients to be successful. For them to be successful, I want the team members to be successful. And success doesn't always mean that you get everything right the first time. It may mean that you screw up and you learn from it and you build systems and processes and hire other people and get software or do whatever to ensure that those problems don't come up again. But it's important to, to, to develop the sense of leadership and to hold people in a way that makes them want to do whatever it takes to solve the problem, to achieve the outcome. It's, it's just an amazing thing. If you're that kind of leader, if you're the kind of person that wants to support people to achieve big outcomes, solve bigger problems, and you personally want to delegate everything except leadership, right? that's where you want to be, being a fractional CMO might be your ticket. If you're interested, you can grab a copy of my book, The Fractional CMO Method. Just grab a copy at cmox.co slash book. All right? Take care. Thank you for joining us for today's show. For more information and episodes, visit our site at fractionalcmoshow.com. Go ahead and punch that like and subscribe button on your favorite podcast app. It means a lot, at least to my mom.